When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello everyone, welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. My name's David Edgar, I'm your host as always, and joining me this week are two leading lights of the Heart and Hand universe. First of all, from sunny, glorious Livingston, it's Cameron Bell. Hello, Cammy. Good evening, David. Are you keeping well? Are you safe in these COVID-riddled times? So far, so good, but not taking anything for granted um, at this point with Rangers or with COVID, uh, because I think that anybody getting smug about either history has shown as you can be pulled down to the ground quite quickly. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. It's one day at a time, my friend, and you just uh, make sure that you keep your eye on the prize. For many reasons, for me, it's one day at a time. Also joining us, uh, fresh from a big weekend, uh, not just for Rangers, but for Derby County as well. It's the Port Laureate of the Midlands. It's James Tessier. Hello, Tess. How are you doing, buddy? I'm very well, thanks, chaps. How about yourselves? Yeah, not bad. Rangers are doing well. Celtic aren't. It's, it's all it's all gravy. And and on that, Cammy, um, the boys from your neck of the woods came over to Ibrox uh, yesterday. Rangers, an interesting fixture for me because the two performances against Livingston at Ibrox last season well, not great. You know, a 3-1 win that was tight, really, up until the last 10 minutes. A 1-0 win, uh, the, 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 the game that I think will become infamous for being cancelled on the Saturday and played on the Sunday. Um, I, and again, it wasn't a great performance. So they know how to defend against us. We saw that. The only team that have kept a clean sheet against Rangers this season, they, they kept us to a 0-0 um, at Almondvale, or whatever they call it this week, earlier in the season. And there was... I think a little bit in the air among us all as fans as we were talking before it of, you know, this is tricky because we've had such a good week. You know, we've we've gone to Celtic and just whipped them. We've gone away to Standard Liège and produced an outstanding performance and a goal that's gone round the world from Kamar Roof. It's kind of these fixtures that we've maybe taken our eye off the ball. And, and then when news, you know, we, we don't live in a vacuum, when news come through that Celtic had flipped their own script rather than gaining two points with a goal in the last minute they'd lost to. And, you know, all of that combines just adds a slightly different frisson of pressure onto the team. It does. And, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but what I look now is, especially when you see uh, specific teams coming to play against us, so we're not we're obviously going to wait to... Uh, to their neck of the woods is, you know, what's the potential banana skin in them? 
I hate to say it, but sometimes Livingston have been that for us, and and we know playing as you say uh, through in Livy, it's that horrendous surface. But at the same point, Livingston have shown decent performances against this, and I think um, the the challenge of what we're going to face is that's the group stage he's kicked off properly now. David is we'll we'll be playing this regular Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday, and it'll feel like that. Um, and it'll feel like a lot like as if there's going to be so many games in quick succession. You really have to kind of reset and then focus on the next challenge. And they will be very, very different. And, you know, you saw that um, in the Liège and Livingston games. Um, I, I just can't take anything for granted at the moment. And I know that sounds slightly pessimistic, given the incredible week, the last seven days that we've just had. Um, but I think, as we've kind of mentioned before, what you're kind of really looking for or what you're screaming for is routine. And to a certain extent, Rangers are proving me wrong because when we get into games and we make it look a bit simpler than we we worry about it, then you know it, it's great to have. Uh, but I thought Livingston could have produced something a bit better against this. Uh, but we're just on our crest of a wave at the moment. I feel. Test five changes to the side and quite an attacking lineup. I I wonder going back to that Livy game. I think that that may have been a bit of a fork in the road for the management team because I think now in these matches they're going out with a more attacking lineup, and I think you saw that yesterday that that you know the players who came into the side there were a lot of attacking options there were a lot of attacking options on the bench, and I think that the manager is just he's taking the handbrake off slightly. I'm not sure about attacking. What I would say is more creative. Now, if you look at both of the goals and how they were crafted, we absolutely split them apart with some fantastic, very um, accurate passing. Um, Some very direct through balls as well, and it worked. Now, they set up with five at the back. So, you know, we were going to need that to break them down. Um, so whilst again there were, like I said, I don't really want to say it was attacking because I don't think we particularly changed the way that we've been playing in the past few weeks, which is doing us so well. But I think there were a lot more players on there with with an eye for a pass who are do tend to be more creative. Now that might sound like I'm contradicting myself, but again I think if if you if you can see the way they had to weave it through to get those to get those goals, you know only your creative players are going to get that for you. So again I've, I think. We've got the squad now and we've got the players to slightly tailor the personnel for each match. But I think roughly we're playing about the same. Cammy, there were a lot of eyebrows raised before the match at Jermaine Defoe starting. And I think that the manager sort of alluded to this when he mentioned that Jermaine Defoe wasn't going to be in the Euro squad, that he felt that he wasn't going to start these matches. So rather than have him travelling, that he would get the full week off, if you like, between the games and be ready to be used in this type of match. It was almost as if some Rangers fans had sort of written him off. And I think that that was a bit premature considering, you know, yeah, you're probably not going to start him away at Parkhead or away in Europe, but he, he oh, yesterday was his 27th goal for Rangers in 18 months in limited appearances. The idea that he can't contribute this season, I think, is a wee bit far-fetched. No, and I think that makes us, correct me if I'm wrong, I think we are the the fourth club in terms of his, his goal-scoring um, exploits. I think that we're now the, the ranked fourth in terms of the total amount of clubs that he's played for that he scored the most goals for. Um, I think that the challenge you've got with Jermaine Defoe is, um, I, as we're about to come on to, once you put him into a particular position, his positional sense is is absolutely phenomenal. 
his mobility has started to decrease pretty much over the last two to three years, in my opinion. And I think that we've seen and already suffered some injuries to him where he's maybe just stretched or pulled something. And it's not a case of the fact that he's not warmed up and it's not a case of the fact that he's not fit. I think he's having to adjust in games the fact that his body cannot do what his brain wants him to do. Every footballer goes through it. Ryan Giggs was another one who used pace to burn. But as the latter part of his career, he knew that he didn't have that as much and he couldn't produce those runs that he had to kind of go on. He didn't have that level of pace, so he had to adjust what he had to do. So, for example, his distribution became far, far better. Um, Defoe's main opportunity now is to not only pull defenders out of space, which I think he did tremendously uh, yesterday, but also when he gets a chance, when he gets that sniff, is to make it look easy. And by Christ, not only did he do that yesterday, um, but he can, he absolutely can contribute, but he can contribute on the field and off the field as well, David. I think he's a tremendous guy to have in and around the club for two reasons. First of all, I think that as a brand ambassador, he does magnificent things for us. And you're not telling me that there isn't guys around there who, from any offensive position, whether it's attacking mid through to strikers, are not listening and learning from him when he's obviously given them some coaching stuff. So he can contribute. I don't think he can contribute as much as he would like to, but he's going to have opportunities. He's going to have those chances, and it's most it's all about him taking uh, the most of it when they come his way. Tess, there were a lot of times that Livingston yesterday just got into six three one, and I'm not exaggerating that um, that that they would have their back three, but their central midfielder would drop in as well, and they would have four strung across eighteen yard box with two uh, their fullbacks on either side. Rangers pulled them apart in the first half through movement through Hadji, Kent, uh, Defoe. Uh, they were uh, runs from Joe Aribo from midfield as well. And that was how we stretched them and created the space that, that we were able to exploit. Um, Defoe still has that, maybe in shorter bursts, but he still has that ability because his movement is so good. And I think that Jermaine Defoe could be 70 years old. And if you made him a chance, he might not be able to run to it. But if you made him it, he would take it still. He is one of the most natural finishers I have ever seen. I think the there are two things that uh, professional footballers never lose. One is finishing ability, obviously for your for your forwards, and second is a so called footballing brain. Um, it seems that the the older they get, the sharper they get because those those instincts they realise that they're not as fast as they were, they're not as agile as they were, they can't be in as many places as they used to be. But so they've, they've got to conserve their energy. They've got to only go when they when they know it's going to pay off and just know where to be and I think Jermaine Defoe encapsulates that perfectly I, mean, I find it hard to think of him as an old person because he's he's only two months older than me so if he's old then I am too by definition and I certainly don't feel you're it. old but um, in, 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 in footballing years he's, he's, he's getting you remember Brett Pop you're old well yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah if, if you've lived it mate you feel old as well That's but it, um, yeah, yeah uh, like we say, he's he's really sharp in his head. He just knows where to be. And for a defender, that must be absolutely terrifying because you cannot switch off when Jermaine Defoe is there. Because as he showed yesterday, at one chance, and you know, how, you know the, the technique he was able to apply to get that finish was amazing. And if you're marking him, if you lose him for a second, the ball's in the back of the net. So again, wherever he's going, he's got at least one, usually two defenders, which is creating the space. And then, like we say, behind him, we've got other creative players who are going to see that space and exploit it. And it's just, it's, I think, you know, I don't think Jermaine Defoe's age matters at all because he's Jermaine Defoe. 
One, meaning that he's still got it up in his head. He knows what he's doing. And two, defenders are absolutely terrified of losing him. Yeah, and I totally agree with Cam. He seems a top-class human being as well. Just a, a wonderful guy. And it is the old cliche, but it's true. You hope that the youngsters in the dressing room are looking at him, seeing the success he's had, but seeing how he conducts himself and thinking, yeah, okay, that's the example. That's what I need to do. Um, that's you look at how it's worked for him. The finish was just so sexy because he doesn't even break stride. And it's one of those ones, Cammy. I sort of felt a bit sorry for the goalkeeper because there's nothing, nothing you can do about it. It's exact. I mean, you can't expect him to take the shot on as early as he does. And then he just puts it perfectly. Absolute daisy cutter, doesn't deviate, doesn't lift off the ground, straight in where he wanted it. And he's already away celebrating by the time the keeper's realised that it's been a, it's a goal. Yeah, I mean, you, you can't... Um understate as well the quality of the pass from Tavernier as well when he's played the cross in that area where I mean it's probably a little bit before the corridor of uncertainty there you go I'll bring out all the cliches but as Defoe's running into it the keeper can't commit he, he probably thinks that his defender's going to do what he can to be able to shadow him but Defoe already has the yard on him um, it falls perfectly into his path um, and one thing to kind of come back to that whole natural finishing that, that instinctiveness how many guys would you ever see consider taking a touch on it to steady it and then maybe hit it, let's say, just hit it, uh, control it with the, the left and strike with the right? As soon as you do that, you then start to lessen the angle somewhat for the for the keeper to be able to come out because the distance between you and the keeper now is going to start to decrease ever so slightly. Um, but Plus the reason you, is to why you give the defender time for a recovery tackle. Course, yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But then the other thing is, when you think about the amount of time that he's had out, when you think about the stop start that he's had to the beginning of this season and obviously the, the aforementioned injury concerns, to be able to do that and take that chance so confidently, you're talking about a guy who, take that goal completely out of context, you would show that to someone and say, oh yeah, well he must have had a few goals under his belt so far this season because he's had it so confidently there's not a problem. Jermaine Defoe is the exception, isn't he? So, um, wonderful finish. The, the, the cross, I think, from Tav is absolutely superb. I just think it's as inch perfect as you as you could have made it. As you say, he doesn't even have to break or change stride. doesn't have to do anything like that. He just hits it first time so naturally. And the keeper and the defender have got to be looking at that going, you know, what do you do? Because I don't think personally neither at fault. I no. think you're just looking at it going, the defender the defender couldn't get in front of him. He couldn't invite a challenge into him because then it's a pen and whatever else have you. Keeper can't come, but he can't even make a save because he just finishes it so beautifully on a first-time take. No one's at fault because you can't defend against that. No, it was, it was an absolutely splendid goal. I really liked the first one as well, Tess, because Yanis Hadji watched the little touch just before he sends the pass, the first one through to Jermaine Defoe, and then he's alive, he reacts, he looks up before he even gets the ball. He's running for it, but he looks across to see is there anybody there, sees Joe Aribo and finds him first time with the ball. That's what Yanis Hadji can do, and he makes differences in games, and he'll frustrate at times, but it's... It's not about the stuff that doesn't come off from him. It's about the times that it does. Yeah, uh, Yanis Hadji is, I think we've discussed before, he's very much a moments player. Um, and one thing that I have been very heartened with over the past few weeks is he's given us those moments. I mean, 
the, the pass for Jermaine Defoe, I suppose you'd refer to it as a key pass. I mean, it wasn't an assist because the goal wasn't scored. But the first key pass to Defoe was absolutely brilliant. And then, like you say, he's, he's alert enough to see that the ball is still in play to look up and think, right, I'm going to send it over there to him. The, you know, that the if he would have put that ball anywhere else, then Rangers aren't scoring. But he basically put it right on Aribo's boot. You know, and that, that that's that's twice within the space of what two, three, that two, three, yeah. four seconds that he's done that. So we are we are going to get that from Hadji, and I think he's I think he's one of the players who's benefiting from not having a crowd there because you know we all know how you know as, as, as Rangers fans our, our loyalty is is without question. You know, we are a fantastic fan base, but admittedly we can be a bit moany at times. Um, and if players like Hadji are trying those things and they're not coming off. People are going to get on the back, you know. It's it's just just the way it is at Ibrook sometimes. So I think him knowing that he can try these things and he's not going to have any kind of comeback, I think it is allowing him to express himself a little bit more. And I think that if he keeps abiding us with these moments, his his confidence is going to improve. He's making a better player anyway. I mean, like like we've just said, the, the, the first ball he put through for Defoe was fantastic, but then he's got the presence of mind to see this second chance as well. And I'm not sure that six months of a year ago he's doing that. So you, you can see him developing as a footballer. So, yeah, just long, long may it continue, mate. Cammy, three clean sheets, um, and Rangers appear to be one of the few teams in Europe that have remembered after lockdown that defending can be quite a useful part of the game as well. But one of the things that I've been pleased about is the the fact that the personnel has changed a little bit, but the structure and the defensive solidity hasn't. We've had you know Calvin Bassey's come in, and he's played really well, but he's come in, Philip Hellander dropped it for the Euro match, and came, um, and came Liam Balligan. That, I, I think, is excellent because you don't really want a situation where you've got guys playing 70 matches because the drop in quality to the next step down is, is so bad, uh, or, or so big, rather. And secondly, you know, defenders will pick up suspensions, etc. It, it's unlikely you're going to get a full season at them where they play every game. No, and, and I think that we've mentioned a couple of times before, David, and kind of various shows that we've mentioned how the squad has really stepped up to this. Arfield deservedly got a rest uh, from the starting 11 um, yesterday because he's come in and he's been absolutely magnificent for us. Uh, that's not a new player. That's not a new signing. It's not someone who's come in with no disrespect to Arfield, but it's not someone that you're talking about coming in with a higher level of quality and therefore it's raising it. He's worked to be able to step up his game to be able to do that. There's a certain, uh, I, I think, awareness of how the team are trying to play, how positionally we're trying to play, so that if you have to swap over the individual berths, so left back is a good example of obviously Borna taking a bit of a uh, a bit of a knock, and then Calvin Bassey starting for him yesterday. There isn't a huge change. It's not like that player then has to take a serious amount of time being able to understand what the team are trying to do and where he in particular has to be able to defend, penetrate, position, etc. Um, I think it's been absolutely tremendous and, and I cannot I mean I, I cannot praise enough how well the the squad have done, not just their first eleven in terms of what you and I might pick as our standard first eleven, how we get out there, because there's quite a few spots now as far as I'm concerned are up for grabs because those players who have come in in the periphery have stepped in to be able to try and help out and, and now they're really staking a claim for it. The competition in the squad is is fantastic and I'll be honest with you. You know, my heart does go out to Gerard and his management team a bit in terms of, 
you know, who deserves to play, who deserves a rest, who deserves to go through that. When we come into, as you mentioned, injuries and suspensions, just natural part of the course of the season. Uh, but right now, I'm very, very comfortable that if we were to take a setback, that we've got players who can come in to do it. And we've not even seen uh, Bagani Zungu yet either. So, again, there's still more to come. I think that that's a key thing for me, Tess, because, you know, it, it's understandable that we um, will always be judged against our rivals. That's only one team in Scotland. So recruitment, I think it's already clear that Celtic have made some big errors and Rangers seem to have, have got it pretty much. I mean, there'll, there'll be one or two that don't work out. It always happens. But there's very few... In fact, there's none of the recent signings at Rangers that give me the fear. And I don't believe that any Celtic fan could hand on heart say that about theirs. What I can liken our recruitment, and our general tactics too, it would be like a game of football manager in that there are certain um, characteristics and assets that we're looking for. Because when that team lines up, it's going to be you play here, this is what you do. This is your job. And every single one of those 11, 11 places in that starting 11, every single person knows what their job is. So when we bring a player into the club, it's not we're bringing them in because they're a good player. It's because they can do one, they can perform one or two of those positions. Money ball and type that, thing. Yeah, yes. Yeah, 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 definitely, mate. Yeah, because what I think one thing we've noticed, certainly under Wilson, Ross Wilson, is the recruitment's got better and better and better. And I think we're also seeing in the performances of the team this season, they've been drilled. I mean, I think the players have all also said it. Like they've been drilled so often. Everyone knows exactly what they're doing. So when we bring a player in, it's not because you sent a few sycophantic tweets that our fans might like a couple of years ago, or it's not because there's a name or an agent punting to us. We're bringing a player in because we can see exactly how he can slot into our system seamlessly. And I think... Well, we did make five changes in the team yesterday, but not one of those was out of place. I mean, everybody, rightly so, has been raving about Calvin Bassey coming in. Um, a lot of people had said that he was, you know, a bit, a bit more of a defensive uh, fullback. But then I, I was watching the coverage um, on sports here last night, which is quite rare for me, and they were pointing out his attacking attribute. So basically, he slotted exactly into the Barisic role. OK, he doesn't do it as well because, you know, let's be honest, he isn't as good a defensive player as uh, Barisic yet. But he slotted exactly into that role because the, 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 the coaches and the scouts have scouted him. Now he can do it. So that's why we bought him. So it, it's heartening to know that we are buying players for positions and not because of who the actual player is. Cammy, is this maybe a cultural thing? Because uh, as Tess alluded to there, I uh, was told yesterday, I didn't hear it obviously, but I was told that Billy Dodds on the BBC radio show and then put on their website was saying Rangers have made those changes because they think they can get away with it against Livingston. Is it just simply the idea of rotation hasn't really permeated the kind of traditional views of Scottish football that... If a player isn't playing, oh, he was dropped. Um, somebody said that to me on, on Thursday night. He said, I feel for Hellander being dropped. I was like, he's not being dropped, mate. It's, you know, they, they need to manage him carefully. He was injured a couple of weeks ago. Is it just that rotation hasn't quite caught on as an idea in the, the Scottish mainstream yet? Um, possibly. I think that, yeah, there's, there's, there's an element to that because we're maybe stuck in this archaic design of you have your first 11 and whether that player is a walking wounded or suspended, he plays. And that's not that's not going to work. 
in terms of what we're going to see, as I mentioned before, about the fixture congestion, Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday. There's also a point to this as well where, um, and again, I'm not using an excuse because I don't think it is an excuse, but you've also got to look at it from a perspective of you have to look at the shit surfaces that we're going to have to play in. We're going to be playing in some pretty torrid conditions kind of coming up. Players are going to get natural tweaks and pulls and just little strains, and that's going to have to happen. And see beforehand, I mean, how many times between the three of us have we all heard the old pain, uh, pain-killing injections, all that kind of... Why bother doing that if your player can take a sufficient amount of time out to be able to recover and, and heal properly when you've got someone who can come in and and it's not going to be the end of the world if that person has to deputise for a few games. It's necessary and it has to happen. The problem is, I think, with a lot of these pundits is that they will see it as so-and-so's not playing well, he's getting dropped. Now, you've got to take into account the fact that we're playing very, very well. The players who come in are playing very, very well. Um, but yet, it's not an automatic, right, OK, you take it back off. John McLaughlin did not deserve to get dropped. Alan McGregor is a better goalkeeper. That's not news. But yet, everyone will associate it as McLaughlin didn't do it as well. I thought he was superb. So you just need to have that natural switch over when it, when it has to happen because if there's a player who's slightly ahead of you, he plays. And that is the whole point of a competitive squad. Um, speaking of Alan McGregor, uh, as, as some people may know, I, I'm fortunate enough to be able to attend the matches to report on them for Heartland um, and our coverage over on our Patreon site and to, to offer more insight here. So you can hear the players close up and Alan McGregor's shouts are wonderful. My favourite one being yesterday and uh, apologies in advance, just a wee warning, very strong language coming if you've got kiddies, um, is when he shouted at his defence at a corner, is any cunt going to mark this cunt or what? Which <laughs> slayed me. Absolutely slayed me. Um, fantastic. And, and you know, the, there was a, a foul not given for a Rangers player in, in the Livy half and Alan McGregor shouting at the referees. Just, he's, he's non-stop. But it's, it's his way, clearly, of, of keeping his concentration up. Plus, keeps the defenders on their toes. Um, and uh, it must be working because, my goodness, the defence has been absolutely rock solid this season. Tess, I want to talk then about the the more abstract stuff, the stuff that Rangers have lacked over the last couple of years that's prevented us from winning trophy. And I think we've grouped it under mentality a lot um, because that, that that's a sort of catch-all term for it. But it is things about character, resilience, determination, etc., and handling pressure. I've never thought it was a lack of or a complete lack, sorry, of character because they have bounced back after disappointments and they've gone and got good results. So they have that ability. But it's about learning to handle it in the first place so that the pressure doesn't overcome you. And I sense that this team are better at it, but I also sense that this weekend coming against Kilmarnock at Rugby Park, where we have struggled badly uh, in recent years, is a very big match because it's an opportunity to prove that. If we go to Rugby Park on Sunday and every player performs the tasks that they've been set to do, so obviously we will be getting it drilled all week, that involves a lot of repetition. If we go there and every player does exactly what they're told to do, we will win that game of football on Sunday, I guarantee it. I think that's one thing that has changed a lot this season. I think I've, I've referred to it myself a couple of times, but they, they, they seem to be getting drilled and having it beat into them. This is your position. This is what you do. Every single player in that squad 
knows what they're expected to do. And if they go out there and they do what they're expected to do, we are going to win a lot more football matches that we don't. And that has been proved. So I think in some ways, I think by taking the autonomy away from the players, as well as not having the, the, the stress of the crowd potentially turning, I think it's really helped them because it, they literally don't have to think because they're getting drilled that much in the week. It, it's coming second nature to them. So I keep saying, if we go to Rubble Park on Sunday and every player performs a task that they've been set to do by the manager and his coaching staff, we will win that game of football. Cammy, it, it is about slaying dragons from the past that, that we've helped create, you know, a, a record at Rugby Park is a, is a part of that. But it's an opportunity for the players. And I think that the reason I, I'm feeling good right now, you know, no guarantees we'll be like this time next Monday, as, as we've seen a week's a long time in football. Uh, we, we only need to look back the past eight days. But I, I think that they are now beginning to see a match like this as an opportunity, as opposed to be something to worry about. I think it's that, you know, twist of the dial, twist of the mindset that, we've needed and it it seems to have come about through growth and maybe it is a maturity maybe it is a maturing of the side but I've always thought they had the ability I, I questioned if they had the the mental capacity and I'm seeing signs that they have but obviously too early to judge far too early far 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 too early uh, out of curiosity I like to see what our odds were for winning the league and we're currently sitting at eight to fifteen. Celtic are now sitting at six to four, and there's absolutely no chance it will stay like that. So, uh, you know, you never see a, a bookmaker on a bike, as they say, David. But the point to this now is, we cannot look too far ahead of ourselves. I think that what we've done is we've probably got to a point where we've set such a high standard for ourselves, where the clean sheet thing really started to kind of. I mean, I said a few pods ago. Um, it felt like a bit of a weight. And the reason as to why I said that was because the longer it goes on, it'll be, oh, well, what happens? And then it's as if that balloon pops, whereas it did. And we just carried on regardless. And now we have faced, you know, some pretty major domestic opposition in Livingston and standard Liège. And we've we've kept clean sheets against them. But Kilmarnock's the next test. And that's what matters. It's what's the next opportunity and don't look at it because what I'm now starting to feel is is I've now exercised the ghost of as soon as you go a goal up you'll need a second goal how how often did we say that last season as soon as you go a goal up we'll need a second goal be able to try and kill us off whereas now I don't have that nervousness any longer it's a well, long season <laughs> no and, and listen do you know what that that sounds uh, uncharacteristically confident for me but as I look back on the game and when I was watching it I just had a very strong feeling where we're going to score a second goal and it almost turned into that delightfully routine aspect of it, which is fine, right? And that's great. But we thought Livingston will be a tough game at home. We were obviously buoyed by the result that, you know, had happened up in Aberdeen. But at the same stage, that's where people can turn around and go, well, now you've got an opportunity and don't fuck up. Because I didn't think for a minute we were going to do that. So for me, Kilmarnock will be an interesting test. The surface will be an interesting test. Uh, because we almost put a little bit of that fear factor in our own minds. But this is what I said to you, we're riding the crest of a wave. Hopefully, we get a result against uh, Poznan on Thursday, and that will continue that emphasis. But I've also got enough belief in the character of this squad that in a worst-case scenario, that if we fail to win against Poznan, that we just simply reset, and then we go again against Kilmarnock again on Sunday. Tess, uh, Cammy has a good point there. Um, I am guilty of looking 
beyond the the next match, which is not something I would expect from the team um, and from the management team. But uh, I suppose as, as just a fan, I'm allowed to do it. But we do have Lech Poznan on Thursday. Uh, Europe, probably not the priority for most of the fans, but how much did all of us enjoy the victory over Standard Liège? And a point to remember is that these matches, if you win, you get half a million pounds for three points. Half a million pounds. I mean, these games are extraordinarily rich in terms of what they mean to the club. I, th- I think the European match is a huge, mate. I mean, financially, it's it's a big deal because if we, like, so if we get three points, we've got half a million quid, which is a lot of money in Scotland, you know what I mean? Secondly, it's a proceed thing. With Glasgow Rangers, you know what I mean? We should be in the group stage. We should be in the in the last stage of the European competition. That's the very minimum that a, t- a club of our history and stature should be expecting. So, you know, a lot of people were saying, oh, I'd take us getting papped out in the qualifiers if it means we win the league. No, mate. The, the group stage is a very, the very minimum that a team like Rangers should be expecting. Thirdly, winning breeds winning. The more you win, the more you do that winning mentality into the players, the more you're going to keep winning. Look, look, look how many times over the past couple of years Celtic have been atrocious, yet they've won because they don't have how to lose. Like, it's changing a wee bit now, but winning breeds winning, mate. You know what I mean? Fourthly, again, it's the thing about repetition. The players will get sent out against Let Poznan. You do this, you do this, you do this. The more they keep doing that, especially in, in match day situations, the better they're going to get at it. So, personally, I'm I'm I'm, I'm going to jump the gun a bit. I'm, I'm expecting another routine two 0 victory because every player is going to go out there, know what they've got to do, do it, and we'll win. You know, I'm not I'm not overlooking that for the Kilmarnock match, but I think the Kilmarnock match is going to be the same. I'm, that the one thing that's really heartened and pleased me this season with the players is the repetition, is the way that they know what they're doing, is the way they're just going out and doing it now with no fuss. And I, I don't expect that to be any different on Thursday night. David, as, as Tess was talking there, and we we're obviously looking at how much half a million pounds is, I was doing some quick sums and I've just realised that that half a million pounds is 25% of Shane Duffy's loan cost or will cover his wages for the next 10 weeks. Oh yeah, when you put it that way. Donate it, keep him there a bit longer. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, A strangely strangely bizarre uh, signing by Celtic, but they they have to play him because they're lumped with him now. Um, And yeah, I mean, I've spoken before about I see echoes of us during our 10 and hour season when we went out and signed players to add to an already successful team. You would have thought it should have made us a lot better. It didn't. It made us a lot worse. We had a bloated squad and they weren't hungry enough and, and until they prove opposite, then that's an accusation that will be thrown at them. But uh, fingers crossed anyway with regards to that. In terms of when we you know, we take on Poznan, people have asked me a few times this season if I think that having a crowd is, or not having a crowd rather is making a difference um, in a positive or a negative way. And one of the things I always say is, well, it, it, you can't say that it's definitively one thing or another because it's all about circumstance you know there are times that when maybe the crowd would be getting on their back and that might or the crowd would be nervous and it would transmit to the player well that isn't happening but then there are times and I strongly suspect Thursday night will be one where the crowd Euro night at Ibrox under the lights would be bang up for it and help it raise our players to another level Cammy. Well, yeah, that's it. Of course it is. I mean, we've had some magnificent European nights under Gerard as well. I mean, you think back to, I mean, even the, the Legia game. I mean, I, I was in the club deck for that game and it was one of those brilliant games and the celebrations where you could, you could actually feel the club deck moving. It was, everyone was going tonto squared. Um, yeah, that's the thing, right? Of course it is. We, we, we all want to get back to games. We all want to be able to, 
uh, to get back in and, and cheer the team on. There has been a lot made around, you know, would the crowd be getting on top of them if, you know, not every chance went in and all the kind of, I understand all that as well, but, you know, we, we can break out the old cliche uh, handbook as well, David, but I do believe that on a European night under the lights, the crowd are almost like a 12th man being able to uh, get the team moving. What, I, what I'm what i kind of conscious of, as we've mentioned before, and, and again, coming back to the fixture congestion, is that sometimes the energy levels might struggle, and you understand that, and we are used to playing a domestic game where we know that the, the, the teams will camp in against us. When you look back at some of the games we've had Feyenoord, Porto, Braga, these teams are quick, they're athletic. It does take it out of you. You have to cover a lot of the park. You have to do a lot of running. So even when the team started to flag, you know, with 20 or 30 minutes to go, I always felt the crowd could give them a bit of zip and a bit of buzz and be able to try and do that. I think about the young boys equaliser. Mm. which obviously saw us move into the, the latter stages. And I also think that there's that reassurance from the crowd that, you know, don't worry about it, it won't. You know, we'll see it out and there's that that kind of battle fever, siege mentality of let's keep it together and we'll do that. It, it's it's a nightmare for us not to be able to get that, of course not. But I think the players have shown that they can overcome that. And I think that they, I'm not saying that they're getting used to playing in front of empty stadiums. Ask any player, of course they'll want to have the crowds there. Um, but European nights, I think, is really when we feel it. Tess, it has been one of the, the, the bizarre hallmarks of this side that I am far more confident about playing Lech Poznan than I am about playing Kilmarnock, which, you know, under logical circumstances shouldn't be the case. I mean, don't get me wrong, I do think we'll beat Kelly, but I, I think it might be a tougher match and, and it shouldn't be that way. I think Gerard's style of play has been more suited to European football over the past three um, two, three years. Uh, and I think that's been bore out by the results that we, you know, especially certainly that first season, we were getting results. We had no right to be getting, you know, but the, again, the, the way he set out his team seemed to be very well suited for European football. Uh, this season, we've, we've been successful in Europe as well. The, the, the difference is we seem to have transferred that form over to the domestic game as well. I mean, like, I'm, I'm going to keep repeating my point about repetition and drilling, but that's what they're doing and we're getting the, result, getting the results from it. But I'm a more confident about Thursday than Kilmarnock. Uh, probably about the same, to be honest. But Lech Poznan are not going to want to come to Ibrox and play Rangers with or without a crowd. They can see that we're doing very well at the top of our league. They can see that we've qualified with what I'd say considerable ease for the um, for the group stages. They can see that under Stephen Gerrard, we've got a genuine European pedigree again. So I'm, I'm not going to turn around and say that, you know, we've already beat them before they step over that white line because it's psychological, but it is going to be a huge factor. Cami, are we benefiting from this big match, big match, big match at the moment because it, the focus does appear to be staying? For sure. I think we really are. I think, um, you know, as we've, we've said before, Europe's a different kettle of fish because the teams, it's, it's far more an expansive game. We're, we're going to get the opportunity in the pockets to be able to try and do all that. I think there's an element to that where the players really enjoy that because, let's face it, it's going to feel pretty mind-numbing knowing that every Saturday or Sunday you're going to end up playing against a team that, by and large, is just going to hem themselves in and it's going to be a case of come at us to be able to do it. It won't feel like games of football. Whereas in Europe, it's going to be far different. But I've said before, David, we're a European team. We've got a standard now within Europe that we can expect. You know, the teams that we've we've put to the sword, um, there's there's plenty of big calibre names in there. And then getting a result against uh, Liège for the first time in six years that they've been beaten at home in a European game. These things are not an accident. I'm getting sick of 
this this element that we before of we looked a little bit like as if we didn't really belong there. Whereas now not only do we belong there, this is this is bread and butter for us. So I think we over I think we we, we certainly kinda of overreached a little bit in terms of our expectation levels and maybe the standard had to kind of come and follow that. But now it's here and now we've got that. So I think players will really enjoy it. I think that one dovetails the other. But I, I, again, this is what we mentioned before. The real test of the team when we had that that setback in the League Cup final last season was a huge game for us. That was absolutely massive. Then we go back to Parkhead and we beat them. So you've shown that you can do it. So you've shown that you've got the character to recover. Um, but again, like you say, test at the point perfectly. Winning breeds winning. And so when you go into that, you cannot be complacent. You just have to go with the same level of effort. And I think Europe is doing that for us at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I think my point is the the, the next step is, yeah, I, I know you can recover, lads. I know you're good at that. That shows character. But you need to be in a situation. You don't always need to recover. Like, there shouldn't be a situation where once a month you, you've got to go out and respond to a bad result because you're not going to get anywhere doing that. Um, and so far this season, the team are showing signs that, that they're able to do that. So fingers crossed, going to be a, another big match. Uh, Cammy will be back on Friday with Heart and Hand Extra, in which he will review the Lech Poznan match and look ahead to Sunday's trip to Kilmarnock. We'll obviously know uh, a little bit more about squad, etc. by then. So look forward to that. But just before we go today, of course, we always uh, refer you over to our Patreon site um, where we produce uh, up to five shows every single day on All Things Rangers. In fact, there were eight on match day. Got you covered from all angles. Everything about Rangers, historical, current events, you name it, we've got it. We went over, for the first time, 5,000 subscribers uh, last night, which was a remarkable achievement from where we started out to, to get there now. The best thing, the thing I'm most proud of, is that our retention rate is over 90%, which means that 9 out of 10 people who sign up for it stay. And they do that because it's quality content. It starts from just £1.99 per month. Um, and you can't get anything for £1.99 per month these days. Come on. So go give it a try. Go to patreon.com forward slash heart and hand and join the heart and hand community. You will not regret it. Right. My thanks to our executive producers in London, Mr. Mike Lee and Mr. Paul Miles. My thanks to my guests, first of all, the splendid Mr. James Tessier. Thank you very much for having me. The wonderful Mr. Cameron Bell. A pleasure to speak to you both as always. Good luck, Rangers, on Thursday, but I agree with Tess. I don't think we'll need it. I think 2 0. And uh, I look forward to talking to you back here next Monday. Until then, you have a great week. Take care. Bye bye. Podcast Network.